podcast with Tola Dole Fisher. Hello and welcome. This is Woman Alive with me, Tola Dole Fisher. This is the podcast for Christian women where I'm chatting with real women about real life and real faith. If you listen as a child free or a woman who is struggling to have children church can feel like quite a lonely place because a lot of the communication and the language is around women as mothers and as wives Um, and I've had people that have ghosted me when I've got pregnant because Mm. they were struggling and that was really hard because as much I wanted to fight for that friendship and be there for that person it was almost like I was feeling really guilty and horrible and it was really affecting my own pregnancy because Mm. of what she was going through. Actually God calls all sorts of different women to all sorts of different roles and for some of them that will include motherhood. If you, if the Lord has called you to be a mother, you know, no one, who else has the responsibility for these children being raised? The Woman Alive podcast is produced in partnership with Open Doors. Hello, I'm back with you today. It is Tola Dole Fisher, editor and the creative director of Woman Alive magazine. And today I'm in a room with three amazing women, a vicar, a ministry leader, speaker and writer, and a marketing and communication specialist. And that sounds like the beginning of a joke, but it's not the beginning of a joke. Uh, Because today we'll be asking the question, is being a mother the most important role a Christian woman can have? So welcome, Reverend Sophie Bannister, Siobhan Adams and Rachel Arding. Okay, so we want to get to know you a little better and we're going to start off with an icebreaker. All right, so on the screen for those listening, I've got Chris Jenner uh, from the Kardashian family, got Miss Honey from Matilda, got Mummy Pig from Peppa Pig, uh, Mary Poppins, Michelle Obama and Donna from Mamma Mia and we want to know whose child would you want to be and who you think would be the best mum I'm going to start with you Sophie who do you think would be the best mum and whose child would you want to be um well I'm instantly drawn to mummy pig from <laughs> pig um perhaps that's because uh, one of my children is very attached to Peppa Pig so I get to see it quite a lot um but the thing I like about mummy pig is that she's very, very calm and positive. Sort of whatever happens, whatever chaos Pepper and George bring um, into the day, she's always like, oh, about the, the most kind of surprise she gets is, oh. And then she <laughs> will sort of say something very well, darling, you know, that's fine, or something very calming and um, sensible. So I think. And is um, that just how you are as well? Is that no, it's, I, like... would love, I would love to be more like that. Um, I, I, I admire that in her, and I, I think I'd quite like that um, if I was a child. I'd quite like to have a, a calm, um, a calm mama, a calm mother. Yeah, who doesn't get phased by anything, or at least doesn't show that she's getting phased by anything. Do they exist? We'll have to discuss that in the chat later on today. Okay, uh, Siobhan, out of Chris Jenner, Miss Honey from Matilda, Mummy Pig from Peppa Pig, Mary Poppins, Michelle Obama, and Donna from Mamma Mia. Which? Uh, Whose child would you like to be? Michelle Obama, 
And then I say, Mummy Pig is a close second on oh, Lucy I didn't Sophie. give you two oh, options. This is all. This is choose one of <laughs> okay, six. Michelle. Michelle. Okay. <laughs> so tell us, tell us why and 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 what kind of mummy thing it should be. She's or just is. so. She's just such an inspiration. She's great leadership skills. She seems really like um, loving and caring, educated, classy. You know, means I also get Obama as my dad. I mean, it's win win. <laughs> definitely Michelle definitely Michelle for you okay um and Rachel out of the six uh famous and fictional mums that we've presented which uh whose child would you like to be and and why do you think they'd be a good mum uh it's got to be Miss Honey for me uh (laughs) probably mainly because of her love of books and also um (laughs) I think she stepped into the role of being a mummy really really well to Matilda so uh, definitely Miss Honey for me. Brilliant. Um, thank you all. I, I feel like I, w- I want to have a go at this. And so I want, who, who would be my, whose child would I like to be? Um, you've all chosen different people, which I like. That wasn't planned for everyone listening, but um, I like the, the diversity there. I think I would like, a, I'm going to do what I said you couldn't do, Siobhan. I'd like a mixture of Chris Jenner <laughs> and Mary Poppins, to be honest. Uh I love manager that can help everyone make money. Great. And Mary Poppins just has everything. Just always has everything that you need. So um songs would be great as well. Yes, and she's singing to you. Amazing. Thank you for that. Okay, let's get back to the next part of the podcast where we're gonna really delve into this question about um, you know, is being a mother the most important role a woman can have, a Christian woman can have, which is the title of this episode. Um, but we're we're basing this kind of conversation around an article that Sophie wrote. Um, you're the author of this article, um, and the title of this article that you wrote for us was "God has called me to be a mother and a minister, but I regularly have to ask myself which comes first." Um, so if you can just read out a section uh, from this article for us. As I try to hold ministry and motherhood together, I find the following to be simple but true. Sometimes it will work and sometimes it won't. Generally speaking, three scenarios are likely. First, ministry and motherhood blend seamlessly, such as at our toddler group, where I can spend time with my youngest while also getting to know local parents. Second, motherhood takes priority over ministry, such as when I leave church early to take a child home because they can't wait for their nap any longer. Third, ministry takes priority over motherhood, such as when I sacrifice quality time with my family for a pastoral conversation that really cannot wait. In all of this, I hold on to the fact that God has called me to both motherhood and ministry, and I trust that he will strengthen and guide me as I navigate the joys and challenges that come with both. Thanks, Sophie. And firstly, can I just congratulate you on juggling these two really difficult titles? Um, Apart from the fact that I love alliteration, ministry and motherhood, they are both, uh, you know, very taxing things to be doing at the same time. So, Siobhan, also you have two boys, I think. Three. Three boys. Um, and Sophie has, uh, and you ha- you've got two girls, three girls? So uh, a boy and a girl, yeah. You've got a boy and a girl. So you guys are both biological mothers. Um, and Rachel, you are a godmother to 10, I think it's 10 or 11 children. <laughs> yeah, officially and unofficially, I'm Auntie Rara to uh, numerous children. Um, and step and stepmother to two officially stepmother to two as well stepmother to two okay 
So just to throw out that question first, you know, quite raw, is being a mother the most important role a Christian woman can have? I would love to just hear like, you know, if I just had to get a yes or no answer from you without no, no, no. Siobhan saying no, Rachel, no, Sophie. No, 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 everyone's everyone's saying no. OK, um, so if we look at the what, why this might come up as a question, um, the there's the idea that firstly, only women can uh, traditionally uh, give birth and, and have children. Um, it does feel like that is a very important role. It's been, it's definitely like, uh, it's been highlighted in, in the Bible and is also something that is still very important to people today, to, you know, to have children. Like we talk about um, egg freezing and getting to a certain age and you have to think about, you know, your clock ticking or, you know, I was pregnant in my late 20s and I was called a, a geriatric mother, a, ger- a geriatric pregnancy, I think it was called when I was in my late 20s. So there's a, there's definitely a thing about the importance of motherhood and importance of having a child. So why do why do we think it has been held in such esteem if it's not so you know it's not the most important like where's that come from i feel like it is a really important role held in really high esteem however we're at an age where people are choosing not to be mothers or cannot be mothers and their most important role will look different to them uh, but that role is no less valuable but I feel like if you are a mother, then that role should be really high on your priorities. Mm. So it's not something that comes on the bottom of your of your list. It's not something you do with your leftover time. It's mm. a priority because that's the ministry that God has given you. Mm. I would I would really um, come along similar lines to Siobhan. I think we're in a, a period of time now where we're historically, because I guess of things like lack of washing machines and all these electrical things that have allowed women to kind of juggle housework with going out to work um we have a greater freedom now to choose uh whether or not to have children whether or not to work and obviously lots of women been finding great deal of fulfillment in 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 work um but i think if so i think we're, we're more free now to say no this isn't something a woman has to do and that's good in terms of acknowledging that actually god calls all sorts of different women to all sorts of different roles. And for some of them, that will include motherhood. But similarly to Siobhan, I think if you, if the Lord has called you to be a mother, then I, it is, if not, I mean, I, I think my marriage is, it's difficult to say, oh, my marriage is more, more important than my children. You can kind of, it can get a bit complicated, but I think, you know, no one, who else has the responsibility for these children being raised who, who else has that same level of, of nurture than me and, and my husband? Um, you know, unless unless someone else is a primary carer, obviously there are different kind of arrangements for raising children. But um, as, as a biological mum, no one else can do what, what I can do and no one else carries that level of responsibility. And so it is, it, it's, and perhaps because, particularly because I'm now in a season of having small children who are kind of more heavily dependent on me, um, it, it is really up there in terms of, how I rank my different priorities mm. well I, I find it interesting Sophie use the expression um you know if you feel if you're called to be a mother and I, I, I'm my 30s and there are lots of people that really passionately want to be a mother and want to have children um and for whatever reason uh, don't have a ch- children or can't find a partner or can't have children with their partner um you, you know does that mean they got that calling wrong that they should focus on something else you know what do you feel about 
this idea that you, you can be called something but it's you're not seeing it come to fruition um Rachel do you have any thoughts on this I think some of it has to do around church and what the church what the narrative of church can be to so many women I think if you listen as a child free or a woman who is struggling to have children church can feel like quite a lonely place because a lot of the communication and the language is around women as mothers and as wives. A lot of the language and and the communication around church is around motherhood and, and families. And so it can feel like that should be the calling of women. I think it's really hard and I can't speak to that. Like I have, um, been I, I guess I'm lucky enough to make the choice that I have decided to not have children um and I think when you're in that space where you are longing for a child um and you feel that that's your calling um that must be incredibly hard and I you know I'm not in that position and I can't speak to that position but um I feel like that that must be quite a lonely and quite difficult place to sit in and it must be quite a lonely and hard position to be in with God as well when you want those prayers answered. Absolutely um, and you know there's the example of Hannah in the Bible who uh, says the Lord had uh, closed her womb which just feels very like unfair really you know what why would and that's quite strong language isn't it 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 is I mean that's just one translation obviously but you know what why why you know what why would that happen why would God allow certain women to not have children and and Rachel you you mentioned early you know you don't want you've made a decision not to have children and that's a decision that you're happy with but you know obviously there are lots of people that uh do still really want children like Hannah wanted children I went through a period Mm. in my life where I really really wanted children I'm no longer in that space but one of the things I found really hard at the time was um, kind of mothering mothering Sunday, Mother's Day in churches. Mm, um, yeah. I think it has changed in, in churches now, um, but because uh, I, I, I still don't really go on the, on that day, more more out of habit than anything else, actually. But they used to ask the mothers to stand up and they'd give them flowers. And so I had experienced baby loss. So it was, you know, I want to be a mother again. And I feel like part of me feels like, oh, I still want to be able to claim that I'm a mother, even though I don't have the, you know, the baby to show for it. And I found that really hard. And I know lots of lots of companies now will give an opt out for people who find that that day difficult. However, I do feel like, you know, as we've discussed already, the the role of mother is really important. So I don't feel like it's it's also not okay to discount the people that have that wonderful experience and 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 find it really hard and want that support and also it's nice to celebrate them and do any of you have thoughts on this the kind of actually trying to 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 support or appease people that don't have children and want children um do you feel like maybe mothers biological mothers are getting pushed aside in that endeavor i think it's um it's a particular sort of grief isn't it not being able to or not wanting to have children but not being able to have them and I think as someone who does have biological children it's it feels like a hard space to speak into with any authenticity so if if someone was to come to me and say you know my vic in my role as a minister and say you know I why isn't God letting me have children it it's hard to find the words that that will actually be acceptable to that person not um to say it in a way that actually they will be willing to hear from me particularly I suppose yeah. um because you know I can talk about the fact that 
um, God doesn't promise to answer all the things that we want yeah. in a whole range of areas. And actually he promises to be, to be enough for us. Um, but that's again, difficult to say someone when there's a particular very sharp grief and, and longing that isn't being answered. And I mean, one of the things that I do with social media is that I, when I don't post children, po- I don't post photos of my children anyway, but I, I never, I never kind of say anything about how wonderful my husband is or how wonderful my children are and how grateful I am, you know, on Mother's Day for my mother or how grateful I am a mother and that sort of thing. And and that's not to kind of pass judgment on anyone who does. Um, But I guess I maybe I'm just in a season of being particularly aware of friends who have not been able to conceive or have not been able to find a life partner. And I've you know, when you know when you kind of scroll through on on Mother's Day or something, it's like a huge list of yeah. photographs and people. And you think, mm. what must this feel like for someone who doesn't have the things that these people have? Um, and and also perhaps be- because we don't put on Instagram the fact that you know we might be there might be grit in the oyster in a particular relationship, and and maybe part of the issue is that um, well, one answer of course is not to have social media. That's a conversation for another day. But I think you know should we should we not be more open about sharing where things are difficult um alongside where things are joyful I, yeah it's a tricky one absolutely um and Siobhan you um are married now aren't you yet but for a, for a, a long time in church you were a single mother is that right yeah I was a single mom for about 17 years and that was difficult too like not fitting into the mold of being married and this pressure to be married and people actually not understanding how much more difficult it is raising children on your own as opposed to with a husband and thinking that you can manage it all. And also I've had friends that haven't been able to have children. I've seen them respond in different ways, whether it's um, keep going to be a biological mum and doing all the tests in the world. And I have a friend after, I think, 14 or so miscarriages who's finally been successful. But then I've had people that have like adopted or foster. Um, and I've had people that have ghosted me when I've got pregnant because Mm. they were struggling and that was really hard because as much I wanted to fight for that friendship and be there for that person going it was almost like I was feeling really guilty and horrible and it was really affecting my own pregnancy because Mm. of what she was going through so I couldn't fight for that friendship and we've reconciled now but I think it's difficult all around because you're all carrying your carrying your own thing but um yeah we just have to show each other love and try to be as compassionate as we can for the other woman's situation I um I was at a a birthday picnic yesterday with some friends uh five and which I I love I love children absolutely love them and what I loved even more though is because I'm such a rarity I'm like the cool auntie that gets to come in they all just love me (laughs) Their, their parents are shouting like come back put that piece of sand down don't throw that truck or whatever and they're just coming to me and like wanting to sit with me and play with me. And I love that kind of role. Um, you know, I'm not a mother, but I love that kind of mothering that I get to do that, you know, the idea that it takes a village to raise a child. Um, and Rachel, mm. I, you know, I know you on a, a personal level and you're an absolutely wonderful, caring person. And the children around you love you. Um, so would you consider yourself mm. in that sense? You know, you're a godmother on Mother's Day or around Mothering Sunday. Do you ever feel yourself? kind of identifying as a mother no no honestly I don't um and I think it's right that I don't because I hold mothers in such high regard I think they do such an incredible job me deciding not to be a mother takes nothing away from all the women who are mothers I celebrate you I think you're amazing I think it's incredible I think my role is very much as an auntie 
as, as that support, not just for the child, but for the mum as well. Like that's that's why I that's why I value my role so much and I love my role. You know, I don't have a child free life. I have a child full life. It's full of children. <laughs> um, but I have that time and space to give them all and that love because I don't necessarily have my own children and that's okay. But it's absolutely about s- supporting the mothers and, and fathers and, and everything in between. Um, but no, I don't that's not my space and it's okay that that's not my space and we it doesn't have to be you know yeah we don't it's not let's not we don't have to be pitted against one another it's not it's it is all about you know I see my role as an art as an auntie as a supportive role even in my stepchildren's life you know they have a mother they have an incredible mother they don't need me to be their mum they need me to be their 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 dad's partner and I am like an auntie to them I would say I'm more like an auntie to them and and that's my role and I don't yeah I don't the mother's day whilst I think it's great to celebrate women in and and how women mother and nurture in all kinds of way I don't feel the need to label myself as someone who is a mother if that makes sense number one I need an auntie Rachel in my life <laughs> so say, everyone, needs, everyone needs an auntie Rara everyone needs an auntie Rara <laughs> even as a mother I don't do mother's day like it's just really commercial I'm not interested mm. <laughs> you don't know mm. what I went to the night before the next day I don't need the card and we don't do Father's Day either I don't like Father's Day at church so again it's like it's a trick of some people in a negative way but then some of us are not really embracing it because it's I don't know mm. it's cool I guess is it a bit like Valentine's Day it's like we're already yes. doing the thing we don't need to make a big deal on this one day because that then gives you the excuse the other 364 days to do nothing about how amazing you are as mothers my mum always says Siobhan save your money don't get me anything just save your money I'm like okay mum <laughs> we talk every day so oh so that brings me to the next thing I want to ask you you know about your experiences uh at with your mothers having you know how has your experience as a daughter to a mother been Siobhan you kind of mentioned your mum you're quite close are you yeah we are really really close she was a single mum for a long time um as well and I think I learned a lot of good from her but also what mistakes not to make in terms of rushing into marriage because I became a Christian so not choosing the wrong person yeah yeah okay and um yes we've got a lot I had Mm. rebellious years um but we've been a lot closer for a long time she's great with my two-year-old she speaks to him every day um (laughs) my other children are 23 and 24 she has a good relationship with them as yes 20 something year gap well I was gonna say sorry (laughs) we're gonna pause there that's a 20 is that 20 20 year age gap yeah 20 or 21 I can't I've lost track of the older ones well done that's that's incredible (laughs) amazing yeah all right you can carry on now sorry but I I think one of the the main things she's taught me is actually that my first role my priority is actually my relationship with Christ and from out of that everything else flows and I think that's for all women that's our most important role that upward vertical ministry relationship with with God and then everything flows out of that and just waking up to her praying every morning six or seven o'clock she's like an alarm clock mm. yeah it's just she's been such a, a spiritual inspiration that sounds lovely mm. wow. um I do I kind of want to ask you know Sophie and Rachel about your experiences with your own mothers but actually Siobhan something you touched on slightly at the end is 
the the concept that our most important relationship as Christian women as Christians is our relationship with Christ so what do we think about women who are like I am desperate to have children you know and they you mentioned Siobhan someone uh, a friend earlier who had I think something like 14 miscarriages I can't even imagine the, the pain I don't know their situations I'm not talking about that I'm just in general that that yearning for a child and to be a, a, a mother is that healthy is there is there a point at which we, we should say you know if it's not if it's not working stop or or is it you know because let me tell you my example is and this is why I'm saying this is that I I remember feeling like if I don't have a child I'm gonna die and at some point I realized this has become an idol mm-hmm. because how am I putting this obsession with having children above the Christ that I claim to serve and I know this is gonna this might sound really harsh people and you know who might want children and I and I and I think people should have you know what they feel like God has promised them absolutely um but it's a really painful journey to go on when you're you know you're going on and on and on and it can become this it can overtake you what do you think about this kind of yearning Uh, I was just gonna say it makes me think about um I think it's Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego when they're brought before King Nebuchadnezzar and he's going to throw them in the fiery furnace and they say you know, whether or not, even if God doesn't rescue us from this fiery furnace, we're still not going to bow down to your idols. So it's kind of, they're not holding God to ransom. They're yeah. saying God is God. And I don't necessarily, you know, I really hope he's going to rescue me from this fiery furnace, <laughs> yeah. but he might not. Um, and, but even if he doesn't, I'm going to, I'm going to worship him. I'm going to be, you know, serve him first. And, I feel kind of really wary about sort of, as I said before, kind of treading into this area of childlessness and wanting a child. But I think your point, um, Tola, about about idolatry, if is quite a good test. Like, if God doesn't give me this child, you know, for me, it was I was didn't get married until I was um, sort of um, thirty. And I know people wait for longer than that, uh, but for me, it was like, okay, I, I got to a point where I thought, okay, Lord, if I don't, I want to be content with the life that you've given me. And if I, mm. if you choose not to give me a husband, then I want to be able to, you know, when I do go to be with you, to be able to say thank you, Jesus, for the life that I had and to be joy, mm. you know, to find joy in it. And I wonder whether there might be something there for, for childlessness as well. All right, Sophie, since you're our current star, everyone is loving your advice. Um, what was your relationship with your own mum like? Uh, there's lots to say about my mum. Uh, similarly to Siobhan, my mother is a real prayer warrior. And, and as she's got older, I've seen prayer becoming an even bigger part of her life. Um, and that's, you know, when I, when I, God willing, become an old lady, I want to be, you know, praying more um, like my mum. My mum had a very strong, has a very strong sense of vocation. She was a mum and she, um, she had four children and she's really very servant-hearted she'll kind of kind of person who her love language is acts of service so she'll you know if you need her she will be there um we had a period of unemployment um during covid and she we went to live with her she took us in she's been really incredibly generous but I think alongside sort of being a mum for her she has a really strong sense of call to serve children she was a primary school teacher she'd been involved with children's church and 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 just had this massive heart to to teach children about God um and teach the bible and so I I grew up with a woman who had quite a clear sense of of who God had made her to be and what he called her to do 
and uh-huh. and actually it's quite helpful you asking the question because I've not really reflected on it in this way before but I think she's been very permission giving to sort of say okay god you know t- show me what what who am I what have you what are you calling me to do because mm-hmm. that's something that my mum had um yeah very clear sense of that's lovely um it's quite difficult the relations we have with our mum but we have a good examples it does it does help and I guess you guys have now got your own children so you're able to reflect that in your own lives um uh Rachel what about your experience yeah, probably completely opposite um, to Sophie and Siobhan's. Um, so I had a very, from, you know, from birth, really, um, a very difficult and complex relationship with my mother, um, which ended in estrangement um, up until the point that um, she died. So obviously that's probably played into some of the decisions that I've made in my life. Um but what I also had is like, you know, I had two amazing aunties. Mm-hmm. I had um, a lot of my friends' mums really stepped in um, to mother me. And um, also, I think, you know, when you're in that situation as a child, you you mother yourself um, to a certain extent. Um, so, yeah, a bit of a different experience, which has probably helped, well, not helped, but probably shaped uh, where I've got to in my life and, and the importance I see in... Uh, that that role as a as an auntie yeah I th- and I think thank you for sharing that and being quite open Rachel about that that's I do fine, that's fine I, I do think um I like that I like the way you say see I'm, I'm you know coming I'm a Nigerian coming from a, a Nigerian background when you say auntie like every old older person that I know is an auntie <laughs> to me so I like that you use it in that way you know it's not necessarily mm. the the sister of your one of your parents you know it's mm an older person in 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 the community that can support you as a child and look after you we need mm. to bring back aunties I mean especially auntie Rara but I think we need to bring <laughs> back this concept of, of aunties in the community and let and let people as you say I think you mentioned Rachel not just support the children but sorry not just look after and help the children but support the mothers and fathers as well because um you know we all are on different journeys and at different mm. times in our lives we will be able to give different amounts of our time and energy um absolutely and, and space for those kind of relationships it's just it's just that reinforcement that it doesn't have to be one or the other mm. like you, motherhood is a really important role but it doesn't have to be your only role it doesn't have to be um a role for you at all if that's not what you're going to do um and I think this this like you've just emphasized Tola it's it's we all work together and especially as women let's support one another in whatever role we choose to take um and I think it would be really great if also the church as a whole um sort of recognize that and the value that women who are child free um or who are are married etc the role that they can they can play in the church a more central role I think they're often put to the peripheral edges um of the congregation and so let's celebrate women with all their glory and all their nuances um and so yeah that would just be my thought Mm. And I think also celebrate the different seasons that women have. And um, just as a um, one of the things that people sort of regularly said to me ever since I had um, my children was, "This is a season; it will pass. It will pass." <laughs> um, and obviously, the sort of when they're very small, they're very kind of obvious seasons, like sleeping through the night and that kind of thing. But I think it, as far as I can tell from friends who have older children, um, these seasons um, there are seasons as well as they get older. So the at the moment being a mum is kind of in my face all the time it feels like a massive part of who I am and I mm. I know that at some point 
it, it will change and it won't be quite so just the fact you know when my youngest goes to school I'm suddenly having time um that kind of thing and, and it will change again um so yes I think recognizing that for being a mum in different seasons of life even you know when you're in your 80s or whatever um it's it's different for different women at different times Woman Alive with Tola Doll Fisher. Okay, so we're now at the next section of the podcast, which is the Great Sexpectations. This is where we have readers sending in questions that they have about relationships and sex. This episode, the question is, I think my 15-year-old daughter is having sex with her boyfriend. What should I say to her? Um, so let's try and give some advice to this reader. Has anyone got anything they would want to say to start off? Do you know what I, I was thinking of, first of all, as I seen that question? There's obviously the whole things going through your mind about what that conversation or series of conversations might look like um, with your child. But there will also be lots of feelings, or for me anyway, certainly be all kinds of feelings that actually I don't want to put on my child's aren't kind of appropriate for me to, to sort of share and I wouldn't want to project that on her but I would still need to process anyway um, so just the fact that this question has been asked and this conversation happening I think is really important but also having I would sort of encourage that that, that mum to sort of find who are the people in her life with whom she can be really vulnerable and honest and and perhaps share some of if she if she is feeling those things I know I would be tempted to kind of I feel guilty about um you know, did I make certain decisions is it, is, yeah. the, is it my fault that she's mm. doing this and kind of condemning myself I suppose um but they they kind of need to be aired uh, otherwise they they might kind of spray out over the daughter which is not going to be very helpful for her okay so you wouldn't go straight to the daughter and kind of say what are you doing stop definitely not, <laughs> not married yet get him, <laughs> let him put a ring on it you, you wouldn't go down that route I wouldn't do that though. okay uh Siobhan when I first saw the question, I thought, well, I have nothing to say for that because I have three boys. But then I thought, I once was that 15-year-old girl looking for love in all the wrong places. Ah. So what would I have needed someone to say to me? Um, and I think not shaming mm. um, girls or young Christians into feeling dirty or your sinners like that that really self-righteous approach okay. um I think teaching her her value and showing her who she is in Christ how you feel about her um, and building her self-esteem and knowing what it looks like to experience real love um in a healthy secure marriage I mean I think those are the conversations I would have wanted and needed to know more about who I was in Christ mm-hmm. um Whereas if you just put all the negativity on them, what you do is actually you send them back to that person who essentially is just accepting them as they are. But it's leading, it's leading to a place which is not going to be necessarily a good ending. So, um, yeah, they feel embraced there. They're looking for love. They're looking for comfort in something and it's the wrong place. So it's using love to show that to that young lady. So leading with the embracing the person rather than leading with addressing the situation. Yeah, loving her, addressing it, but addressing it in love and address it in with um, building up and edification of that person, like building her self-esteem and her value and knowing who she is and what she's worth rather than 
you've made a mistake and now you're this and you know yeah. it should be more like okay this is who you are this is what you deserve okay that's that's really good advice and like you say advice that you would have welcomed when you were yeah. uh, in that situation Rachel you got any thoughts oh how do I follow that two great bits of advice um I think um obviously I'm I'm not a mother um but I would very much look at that from the point of view as as the same as Siobhan said as a 50 year old girl um who was brought up in the church and was a bit of a rebel in that role um I think the first thing that came out to me was she thinks her daughter might be um and I think it's really important that she doesn't go into that conversation with that you're having sex you're having sex I know I know she needs to listen to her daughter and um also understand that her daughter may not at first at the beginning of the conversation may not be comfortable sharing everything Uh, but just going into that conversation really to listen to her daughter and listen to what her daughter has to say um and also um kind of along the same lines for me it's about the conversations we have about sex or around also so deeply entrenched in your own self-worth as a as a woman and that sex cannot bring you that um it cannot give you that validation um which I think so often sex can be uh for for young people for and you know all the time interesting yeah um so just like that approach that you know it's about her self-worth and and in any relationship making sure that she um she is doing what she you know she is empowered to have a voice and to make sure she's making uh fully informed decisions about her own body thank you for listening i hope you enjoyed the conversation Join me next time where I'll be speaking with three more incredible women about real life and real things. For more inspiring conversations, articles and opinions, head to womanalive.co.uk. Woman Alive. Real women, real lives, real faith.